Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. Good morning, noon, and night. How are you guys doing? We are here with one of our most special guests. But before we get into that, my name is Ryan. I am the producer of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. And as always, we have our host, Mr. Douglas Mitchell, who is the creator of all things sales teams at this point. Like, uh, <laughs> it's just the way that we're, we're, we're viewing it. Uh, for all your sales consultant needs, call us. No. <laughs> But like I was saying, we have a special guest here today with us. Uh, it's probably the most viral guest that we've ever had. And the, the the speed at which they have become so popular is honestly ridiculous, if you ask me. What do you think, Doug? I'd say absolutely, especially in the entrepreneur community, uh, business, you know, social media, everybody. Oh, yeah. Everybody's using this guy. Everybody. It's like, if you're not... I applaud you, but also like, what are you doing? And that guest is Chat GPT. Everybody, give him a round of applause. He has been one of the most viral people that we've ever had on the podcast. Now, here's what we're gonna do. We thought, what is better, man or machine? Right. So we we had uh, Chris Beal on the podcast. He said that. Technology is a ways away from replacing the human nature that is cells. So we're, we're going to do a little test. We're going to have Doug go against the machine today. We have some questions that are, are set up and uh, Doug forgot them. I didn't. <laughs> I have them written down and we're going to we're going to ask chat GPT to answer some questions for us. And uh, let's see how this goes. I'm pretty excited. Are you excited, Doug? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to answer first, so I can't be influenced by chat GPT. I have not seen these answers yet. So you're going to get my raw answer and then we're going to get chat GPT's answer. And this thing freaking writes a book. So hopefully <laughs> Ryan got it to write short, you know, minimum amount of characters, but okay. I'm sure I talk a lot too. And if you, if you put it on the text, it'd be a book also. So so now here's the kicker. This is this is a point against chat GPT. I always put what are the top three ways. It always gave me four. <laughs> it always gave me four. I have no idea why that is, but <laughs> comprehension is is lost on this on, yeah. on, our, on our man chat. OK, uh, but I, I'm only going to read the top three because that's what I asked for. Um, mm -hmm. And if you need more, I'll, I'll do the fourth one. But. Here we go. So the first question we had was, what are the top three ways I can make my business attractive to sell? Oh, man, I screwed myself over here. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so I just had a conversation with a business broker the other night. And so I'm going to sound a lot smarter than I am. But, you know, the first one is going to be a strong profit margin, right? The, the first one is going to be a, a strong profit margin because if you're not profiting, that goes into the formula of EBITDA and, you know, it's going to affect your multiple. So that's, that's incredibly important. You know, obviously when you look at tech, when you look at Silicon Valley, 
when you look at startups, that's not the case. But in general, we're talking about businesses in general. You, you need a good profit margin. And, and I would say 15% at a minimum and then, you know, all the way up from there, obviously, is going to be good. So the, the second way is sales. You need sales. You need demand. You need clients. You need gross receivables coming in. You need a demand for your product. You need to be solving a problem and that problem solving needs to be resulting in sales. And the third way I would say is you need strong operations. You need systems, processes, and SOPs. That way you don't have to be in the company running it because all of that is in your head. And when you sell it, the new owner is going to know, Hey, I can install a CEO. I can install a COO and, and they can just follow the, the place, processes. the systems, processes, and, and SOP. So the first one is profit. The second one is sales. And the third one is systems. Okay. I like, I like all those answers, but you know, I, I've been hanging out with you. So like, I'm like, yes, that's a hundred percent. We had Bennett Maxwell on the podcast. That's also kind of what he echoed okay. um, when, when we were talking to him. So here's a uh, chat GPT's answer. Number one, strong financials, having a well-maintained set of financial records, including profit and loss statements, balance sheets and cash flow projections can make your business more attractive to potential buyers. Um, and they they say uh, these documents need to be a clear picture of financial health and everything in the performance of your business. Uh, number two, a diversified customer base. So this is this is where we're, we're getting a little bit different from what we were talking about is having a diverse range of customers can make your business more attractive to potential buyers. Businesses with a brand, uh, broad customer base is likely to be uh, is less likely to be affected by changes in the economy or industry and can provide a steady stream of revenue. And the third answer they have is a clear growth strategy. Having a clear and realistic growth strategy for your business can make it more attractive to potential buyers. Um, so I think I think all I I don't I don't know if there's like a a better answer. I think it's like how you're trying to view it. You know what I mean? So answer number one, we're we're in the same wheelhouse, right? Yeah. I said profit. He said financials, or she said. I don't want to. Assume. Yeah, we, we don't want to assume <laughs> chat's gender here. So they said they, right? That's the nomenclature to use. So they said AI self. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We need to stop. Okay. So, so, so they said uh, financials, which I would give that point. Like if we're going with three points here, I would give that point to chat GPT. Cause I think you're a hundred percent correct. If you have strong financials, the profit necessarily doesn't matter if if you can take certain things out. Like if you're paying yourself 200 grand a year and your profit, you're breaking even. Well, then a business owner knows maybe I don't have to pay myself because I own the business. And right. you know what I mean? So I don't have to pay myself anything. So that, that business has a profit of 200 grand now. But you can only know that through strong financials. So I'm going to give the point to chat GPT on the first one. On the second one, diversified it depends on the business. I'm, I'm going to give the point to me on that one because it's, it's about demand. You know what I'm saying? Right. And if you have the, the demand, the diversification of the customers does not matter necessarily. You know what I'm saying? If you okay. have the demand, you know, and then the third one was strategy. 
I'm gonna give that one to me too. I'm biased, you know what I'm saying? And and <laughs> you guys at home and in your trucks and in your offices can decide this, but I feel like strategy is one thing, systems, operations, being able to plug and play with the business owner, that's more important. You know what I'm saying? If I have a sellable business, it means I can take myself out of the business and it will operate versus a strategy for growth. I get that, but a business owner isn't buying future sales. What they are buying is current financials, which is why ChatGPT got the first point. I'm gonna give myself the second and the third. Doug two, ChatGPT one. That's where I'm at right now. Okay, and so I, now I gotta go back to I gotta go back to point two because like I'm kind of curious on how Drewby would look at it because I feel like the diversified customer base kind of goes aligned with following up and calling the leads. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because now you have a, a greater lead base, but you're you're very much on a uh, impulse buy. You're an impulse buy mm-hmm. kind of guy. So, what do you think? Is it is it does that sway your thought process on it at all? Or I mean, lead uh, lead strategy is one thing, right? So, a hundred percent correct. If if there was a one two punch you ever had, it'd be me doing your front end sales training and Drew be doing your back end sales training, right? But but when we're talking about customers, that's the that's the people we're actually selling to. So. What, what Jet, ChatGBT is trying to say, if your only customer is mortgage officers and the mortgage rates go way up and now mortgage officers don't have as much business, okay. your business hurts. So you're tied to that mortgage officer, right? Versus if your customer base is mortgage officers, uh, construction companies, solar companies, you know, maybe you do marketing or something like that and you're diversified through home services, then that makes a lot more sense. So that's what he means by diversified customer base. But, but my whole thing is, is like if you got uh, a high demand product diversified or not, it's high demand. You know what I mean? So that's why I yeah. felt like I went out there. All right. Doug. Next question. Next question. <laughs> He's dropping the mic. All right. So <laughs> next question we decided was what are the top three things every entrepreneur, entrepreneur needs? The top three things entrepreneur needs, entrepreneurs need. I feel like, I don't know how else to say it. A high risk tolerance. Mm, Okay. Okay. Or, or, um, in more popular nomenclature, big balls. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and brass ones. Right. You you have to have a high risk tolerance. I think that is the most important thing. So for me, when I started my business, I had to look at my wife and a three month old daughter and say, Hey, I'm putting our livelihood. I have a steady paycheck. I'm leaving that steady paycheck to build this business. I've never built a business before. I've never consistently knocked on doors before, which at the time it was a door knocking business. And I've never ran financials. I've never, you know, all I've done is marketing, a little graphic design, some sales, you know what I'm saying? And so I had to have a high risk tolerance to take that leap. And most entrepreneurs, when they start out, they have to have that. And what happens is if you don't, if you don't have a lot of risk, when you start out, you have a lot of money, you come from money or you come from another entrepreneur, like your father was an entrepreneur or something like that. You have that backup with you and you learn faster and quicker and with more conviction when you don't have that backup, whether it's financial, whether it's with knowledge, 
you know, I didn't have anybody to turn to at the time. I had another entrepreneur that I worked for. So to some degree, I had somewhat of a mentor. But for the most part, that was the one of the riskiest moves in my life. So you have to have a higher risk tolerance. Right. I, I would say the second thing is you have to be comfortable with change. And you have to be able to adapt. So I'm going to go with adapt. You have to have a strong ability to adapt because the way that you do it the first time is, is never going to work. Not completely. Right. You're going to have to adjust. You're going to have to adapt. You're going to have to pivot. You know what I'm saying? And so you have to have that ability. And then I would say the third thing, sales, you know what I mean? There's a reason that most entrepreneurs have the ability to sell because in the beginning, it doesn't matter how good their ideas. It doesn't matter how smart they are. It doesn't matter how good they are at systems and processes. None of that matters. Can you sell what you have to someone else? Right. Do they want it? Is the demand there? Well, that's the thing. Even if the demand's not there, can you sell it? Ooh, that's good. <laughs> and so if you have sales or if you have an ability to sell or you have a product that sells itself, right? And then that's the demand piece. Um, you got to have that. So I would say high risk tolerance, the ability to adapt and the ability to sell. Those funny. Okay. So again, chat gave, gave me four answers. Two of your answers are on the fourth line. Two of okay. your answers are on the fourth line. All right. So let's hear all four then. Let's hear okay. all four then. Uh, number one is a strong work ethic. So starting and running a successful business requires. I know. I, I cringed when I was boring. Man, I cringed. I was like, seriously, that's what we're going with. But hey, this is you know AI. They're gonna go with whatever. What's safe? Basic people do. We're not basic around these parts. Come on now. <laughs> so a strong work ethic. Starting and running a successful business requires a lot of hard work and dedication. Entrepreneurs need to be willing to put the long hours and make sacrifices to achieve their goals. Yes. Number two, resilience. So this is what you said was your number one yeah. was resilience. And it's starting and running a business can be a roller coaster of ups and downs. Entrepreneurs need to have the ability to bounce back from setbacks and continue moving forward. Um, and number three is a clear vision. Entrep entrepreneurs need to have a clear idea of what they want to achieve and how they plan to achieve it. Mm. So, I mean, yes, those those are good answers. Um like I said, here's the fourth one. It gave it gave a list of different attributes, right? So it says, in addition to the above, you need business acumen, the ability to adapt to change, good communication, effective leadership, and relationship building skills. So I think I think I, I'm gonna give it to you on this one because like I hate basic answers. I hate them. Well, and that's what ChatGPT is going to be. And and this this brings up a good point because, you know, yes, this is a trendy topic. Yes, it's an amazing tool for things like SOPs, for things to get you started on yes. content. You know what I'm saying? To get you started on content or to get your brain working. But man, right now, we're smoking this thing. You no. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the, you like got it. it's not even close. But, but the thing is, I'm selling to other humans. You know what I'm saying? Now, if, if this were like, if AI was listening to my answers, they would love chat GPT's answers. So that's the thing you have to remember is like, unless you, your, your market 
is an incredibly analytical, uh, detective type, factual, logical audience. You know what I'm saying? Chat GPT is not going to write good enough content for you. I'm, I'm going to say it. It's not good Shots. enough. Shots. It's not good enough, chat. How you feel about that, chat? <laughs> <laughs> Next question. It. I'm going to ask it later. He's going to be super mad at this episode. I'm, I'm getting hyped now. Next question. <laughs> okay, so who is the most important person on the sales team and why? The entry-level salesperson. Ooh. The, the okay. entry-level salesperson is the most important on the sales team because I believe that you're only as strong as your weakest link. And I know that's a little cliche. That's a little basic, but it's the truth when it comes to a sales program, because you, you got to, that's the bottom of your average. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and they may be good, a great salesperson, but they're not, they just came into the business. So your entry level position, I feel like is the most important person. That's how I can quickly assess the sales team is that, that entry level position, not necessarily that they're new to the business, but that entry level position to me is the most important because it says, okay, how good is your training? How good is your leadership? How good is your culture? If the faster they get into that culture, the faster that they become a part of it and become a representation of it, of your mission and your core values, that entry level position is a reflection of that. So to me, that is the most important part of a sales team because that truly reflects, all right, how well is, am I communicating the culture that we have? How well am I communicating the training, the sales training, the product knowledge, all that stuff, that entry level position will tell you all day long. Sure. Your sales managers, sure. Your managers are going to have all that, but they've been there for a minute. You know, that entry level position will tell me how effective your sales program is working. Okay. So this is, this is how chat. Fight me chat. I love <laughs> the most important person on a sales team can vary depending on specific sales strategy and goals of a company. Right. <laughs> so chat took the safe route chat being political right now, but mm -hmm. then it goes, however, generally speaking, the sales manager or a leader is considered to be the most important person on a sales team as they are responsible for leading, managing and mentoring the sales team. Uh, and then summary, uh, I mean, well, that's basically it. It goes into deeper stuff that you kind of said, like they should know all those things. They should know mm -hmm. the culture. They should know all uh, the the industry, the market, all that stuff, the new opportunities mm -hmm. that are coming up. So I think, ah, man, this is for me personally, this is another one where I don't know who I would give the point to. I think the human answer is the entry level, the entry level sales rep. And I think the... Like you said, if you're you're being analytical about it, the logical mm -hmm. answer would be, hey, if if the leadership is not there, you can't build that culture. Yeah. And, and, and my answer would be an unpopular one. Right. Yeah. Because responsibility flows upward. It's all on the sales manager. Unless we're talking, we're going all the way up to the owner. Right. But right. in terms of a sales team, the, he's the top of the the uh, the food the chain. Line. Right. Yeah. So, so his sales team is a reflection of him. I understand. I understand that answer, but like outside looking in to me, and, and it is one of those objective questions like, okay, who's the most important person if you're auditing the sales team is my answer, right? Who's the most important person that's going to have the biggest impact on the sales team. I would give that one to chat GPT. You know what I'm saying? So I was looking at it from a consultant point of view. 
So that may have been my error there. So dang, chat. I might give that one to chat. I might chat give that one to chat. One. See, I told you I'm I'm subject. You know, I can be non-biased if I need to. Dang, chat, chat coming back with a with a vengeance. He's swinging. I don't know about all that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now we're gonna take a little break from the the uh, super serious sales talk. Okay. Um, I, I kind of wish we would have invited Drewby here to have this debate with us. Man, in this, chat. The, the, the debate is over. Okay. <laughs> I the votes don't are in. Know. We voted, and Taco won. Okay, so this is the next question. How do you tell the difference between a taco and a burrito, right? <laughs> so you guys know my answer. The difference between a taco and a burrito is the size of the tortilla. The size of the tortilla is exactly what tells you, okay, hey, I am eating a burrito. Here's the deal. I don't have two burritos. I have one and I'm full. You know, we're talking Ooh. like, I mean, unless it's like a Taco Bell, that, that, that sad excuse that they call a burrito. Well, Taco Bell is not real Mexican food. Yeah. Okay. Let's just, yeah. Let's, so I'm only eating one burrito. I'm eating two to three tacos. If there are many tacos, I mean like five, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so there's two parts to it. The size of the tortilla, you know what I mean? It's not the contents. It's not how you fold it. You know what I'm saying? Cause I can fall, I, I can, I can fold over tacos all day long. Because it holds all the contents better. It's just a more effective way of wrapping a taco. You know what I'm saying? But my tacos, my tacos, you can't fold over because the, the contents are flowing out. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, of course, there's the, the hard shell taco. You know what I mean? But let me tell you, if you have a, a hard shell burrito and it is a like 12 inch burrito, then it's a burrito. You know what I'm saying? That's not a taco. Because he was trying to say, oh, well, tortillas are burritos. And all right, some people were saying that. But anyways, that's my answer. The size of the tortilla tells you if it's a taco or a burrito. Okay, so I can't believe that chat actually entertained this question. Uh, a taco and a burrito are both traditional Mexican dishes, but they are different in both preparation and presentation. A taco is typically made with a small circular corn tortilla that is folded in half and filled with a variety of ingredients such as meat, beans, cheese, lettuce, and salsa. <laughs> Tacos are usually small enough to be eaten with one hand and the ingredients are added to the top of the tortilla. A burrito, small enough to be eaten with one hand. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. A <laughs> You're serious about I'm this. I'm holding on to that. A burrito, on the other hand, is typically made with a larger flour tortilla yes. that is wrapped around the filling. The filling of the burrito typically includes a combination of ingredients such as beans, rice, meat, cheese, and salsa. Burritos are usually larger than the tacos and are generally wrapped in foil to hold everything together and making them easier to eat with hand. Another way to... Uh, de de I can't even say that word, but you, you know the Differentiate. word. Differentiate. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> Them is that tacos tend to be crispy while burritos tend to be soft. So there you, there you go. It's, it's the, uh, I guess so it, corn versus flour is one of what they're basically saying, I think. It wove in some arguments to Jerby's point. But at the end of the day, what I heard was small is taco, big is burrito. That's what ChatGPT said. So, again, another point for Doug. 
Not not in this against Drew. Against Drew. Straight straight bullets are flying all over the place. <laughs> straight bullets were flying on this one, but <laughs> I, I love I love how it began. Usually a large flour tortilla. It's a burrito. Mm-hmm. Stop making tacos with flour tortillas. That's just, that's how I feel about it personally. No. Hell, what are you? Are you from South Texas? Oh, you're not. That's the, I'm not. I'm you're not. You're one of them. I'm, look, <laughs> country boy, man. Born in no. born in Georgia. Okay. Born in Georgia. There's country and there's Texan. Okay? Yeah, y'all Texans not over Texan. here. Y'all ain't country. Y'all ain't country like us. What? Over 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 yonder. You know. All right. So we just started another debate. What is country? All right. So next I'm episode a- with Chad. <laughs> <laughs> the difference between country and country western. There's a huge difference. That's right. music. That's music and, and clothing. That's a life. Nah, yeah, that's a lifestyle. Country is not a lifestyle. Country is like who you are at your core. Anybody can be um, Western. Anybody can be country. Anybody can like front country, country Western. You know what I'm saying? But if you say I'm country, that's how I grew up. You know what I mean? I'm going to write this down so we can get back to <laughs> We're going to do this on a new chat GPT episode. Just, just yeah, we, we, we're going to keep that in mind on this debate. But here we go. Here's, here's the next question. We're getting back into the sales, right? What are the three reasons sales teams fail? Oh, okay. So the first reason would be that they don't have systems and processes in place. So typically sales teams fail because they ride on emotion. You know, the person that started it uh, is excited about it, recruits a bunch of people, shows them how to sell, you know what I'm saying? And then they wear themselves thin. They're not riding that emotional roller coaster. They're not getting a bunch of wins, a bunch of sales every day. And as soon as there's a challenge in the marketplace, they fall apart mm-hmm. because they, they don't have systems and processes to fall back on within their sales program. They don't have a sales program in place. So to me, that's the number one reason that, that sales teams fail. The number two reason that sales teams fail is the marketplace. The marketplace no longer needs their product. There's no longer a demand. You know what I'm saying? So now they have to pivot and get into something else, which you can do easily if you have a sales program in place. Right? Yeah. And then, and then the third reason sales teams fail is greed. Greed. The owner, the, the sales manager, the regional manager, somebody up the chain is taking too much of the pie. So to me, those are the top three reasons. The first one is they don't have a sales program in place. The second one is uh, the market doesn't want their product anymore. And then the third one is um, greed. Wow. Okay. So all of your answers are on the fourth line. So they're not chats top three. Mm-hmm. But they did mention them, right? So the first okay. one was lack of clear goals and target. Okay. So your sales team doesn't have a me- doesn't have measurables um, in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't have specific targets to work towards. Um, team mem- members can't stay focused or motivated, um, and, and stuff of that nature is where we're going with the lack of clear goals and targets. Number mm-hmm. two is insufficient training and support. So your sales team sales doesn't program. have yeah. So the sales program, the sales team doesn't have that development. They're not following Kodak like they mm. should be. They don't got the culture there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, poor communication and collaboration is number three. 
So effective communication and collaboration are key to the success of any sales team. Team members are not communicating effectively with one another. There's conflicts or lack of trust among the team members. It can lead to delays and inefficiencies. Mm-hmm. And now here's the fourth answer that, you know, hold it held everything that you were saying, right? Yeah. Overlooking and not adapting to the market changes, not having a proper lead generation process and not having a good CRM system in place could also be reasons why sales teams fail. So, you know, it's tough for me because I'm coming from where we self-gen. Right. There's no lead generation. Well, that is the lead generation. So I guess, you know, you can call it the lead generation itself is door knocking or referrals or whatever the case is. So, yeah, I definitely understand that. That's a tough one because like all of our answers or all of my answers were mixed in there throughout. Right. So my, my sales program that I put into place in companies covers a lot of what they just said. Right. Like it's, it, it, it covers the legion. It covers the CRM. It covered like that's, so I probably should have given a more computer like answer that was more specific when I talked about system, systems and processes. But, um, to me, it's just a sales program. So that's, a uh, that's my style, I guess you could say, but it's a lot of what it talked about in there, but it did not talk about greed. It did not talk about greed, which means, which makes no sense. Cause there's so much history in the world that shows, Hey, when people got greedy, their businesses and in this case, their sales teams fell apart. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to say I, I shaved that one out, especially with the greed. Because I think greed is really important to, to yeah. note as well. And here's why I think that, right. Um, it's almost as if chat didn't think about adding greed or any kind of like talking about greed because it's so common. Values. It's values. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's so, it's so common. The value that sales is often portrayed as a valueless profession. Mm-hmm. Um, I just recently watched Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Um, we have some stuff in the works for that. Um, so I just recently watched it trying to trying to get some ideas. And I think the way that media portrays it a lot of times, it doesn't show the side of entrepreneurs and salesmen that, you know, I've come to know that are family men who, um, even though in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, there was a guy who was trying to work super hard for his family, but mm-hmm. he was trying to find these different tricks and schemes to try to get that quickly yeah. as opposed to what I've been uh introduced to this past year where people are generally just good people more times than not. Mm-hmm. And they're not trying to steal from others to get where they need to go. They're, they're all about helping each other. So I think yeah. that's, that's one thing that chat GPT is probably pulling from is the, the concept that there's, there's a valueless culture in sales with like Wolf of wall street, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and mm-hmm. uh, several other movies that portray sales teams in that way. Because um, it sells in Hollywood. It sells. Right. It gets you movie tickets, streams, downloads, you know, merchandise, all that stuff. It sells. For sure. For sure. I, yeah. But I, I think you edged that one out. The greed answer is what did it for me. Mm-hmm. Chat, be better. Come on now. Well, and it, it goes back to what you're saying, Chris Bell said, which was the trust factor yes. that humans have that AI technology does not have yet. You know what I'm saying? And even, even like you, you see this AI video stuff coming out and, and it's like that, that was originally the reason that I asked Chris Bell that question. I was like, Hey, you know, will 
AI eventually take over when it comes to sales. And this question and answer, this, this, you know, little competition we just did just showed you. I mean, at the end of the day, when, when I was finished with my answer, like there was an emotional connection to all those answers. Right. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. When chat GBT was finished with his answers, that was, it was very methodical. It was something you would read in a rule book and it right. didn't connect with you. It didn't, you, you didn't say, Oh, greed. Yeah. I remember when my, my sales manager was greedy. I remember when the owner of the company that I was selling for, was you know what I mean? Like there was no emotional connection there. And that's why humans, at least in the current landscape, will outsell chat GBT all day long. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, there's the, there's the letter of the law and then like the spirit of the law. Like, mm-hmm. uh, don't, don't hit your children. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows you should not hit children. Right. And this might sound controversial, but discipline your children, mm-hmm. spare the rod, spoil the child. Right. What that looks like does not necessarily mean you're hitting the child, but right. it's it's discipline. Discipline is the point. Mm-hmm. And you can write books on how you should discipline your child. But at the end of the day, every person is different. And every child is different. What works for one child might not work for the other child. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like how I, I felt this conversation was going, where you have this textbook that is laid out for you, where it's like, these are all great answers. But yeah. there's this human element that you need to you need to pay attention to. There's this uniqueness mm-hmm. that comes with mankind that chat is not able to duplicate just yet, mm-hmm. um, which is which is kind of scary. But that kind of leads into our final question that we ask every one of our guests. Chat, you're no different. Even though you're an AI, we still love you. We want you to feel apart. What does legacy mean to you and what legacy are you trying to? to leave behind. And this is what chat said for us. Legacy refers to the impact or influence that a person or organization has had on the world long after they are gone. It can also refer to the things that are passed down from one generation to another, such as tradition, culture, or values. As an artificial intelligence model, I do not have personal experiences or physical existence So I do not have the ability to leave a legacy in the traditional sense. However, I can contribute to the body of knowledge that is available to people, and I'm able to assist people in making decisions and solving problems by providing accurate and reliable information. My creators and developers continuously work on improving me in order to be able to assist more people in various fields with the aim of making their life easier and reducing their burden. My ultimate goal is to provide people with the information and assistance they need to make better decisions and to contribute to the advancement of knowledge and understanding in the world. I think that was beautifully written by an AI, the team behind it. You guys have done a great job of raising your child. He's a good dude. (laughs) We appreciate him. (laughs) Yeah. So 100%. So I know chat GPT will leave a way bigger legacy than I can ever even fathom. And it's because it's a problem solver. Oh, and that's sure. what makes the world go around solving problems. That's why entrepreneurs get into business. And so, but I, I am going to leave an intentional legacy. And then I talk about this all the time. I know the legacy and who I'm leaving it for. I'm leaving it for my family. First and foremost, that's the most impact I can have in this world. Right. Right. So when you talk about impact, 
chat GPT is going to be way bigger than mine. And I know that and I'm accepting that and I'm comfortable with that because I can control what is mine. I can't control the whole world like chat GPT can affect, you know what I'm saying? Because right. it's, it's viral. You know what I mean? It's, he can give a million different versions of this answer based on who asked it or what the conditions are at the time. You know what I'm saying? So that type of virility, I, I can never touch, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's also because I don't want to. Now, if I'm going to go out and invent something, if I'm going to go out and create something that is going to impact every human on this earth, like a Elon Musk or a Steve Jobs or, you know, the person that invented the water powered car, you know what I'm saying? They just don't get to impact them yet. Right. But no, just in general, these things that have massive impact across generations, I do believe a human can beat chat GPT because it, humans know what humans want. And obviously chat GPT doesn't, at least not yet. Right. There's a reason that I can tell when it's an AI video person talking to me because your eyes are dead. There is no soul in those eyes. You know what I'm saying? And when there is soul in something, another human can feel that. That's the energy that is transferred. You know what I mean? And so going back to the legacy thing, I think that's an important thing to point out, but because of the sheer numbers and the virility of ChatGBT, I think it's gonna have way bigger impact, way bigger legacy than I could ever have because that is not my intention. Although some of y'all out there, that is your intention. You want to impact everybody in the world with your product, with your values, whatever the case is, you know, everybody always says, I want to help millions of people. You know what I'm saying? And then that's not my intention. My intention is to help my family, to be the one, to, to impact people so much that they'll show up at my funeral. You know what I mean? But again, I could spend every hour of every day helping others and I still wouldn't impact as many people as ChatGPT could with just problem solving solutions, SOPs, you know what I'm saying? Like all these <laughs> yeah. amazing things that ChatGPT can do. But when it comes to consulting on sales teams, I got it smoked. <laughs> I got it smoked. Now this was an awesome episode. I it think was, it was fun. fun. I think this was super fun. Chat, you, you've been a great guest. Um, as always, we want you guys to uh, I, I think the biggest takeaway is to use this when necessary. It is a great tool, but it should not be the end all be all. Um, we, we've started implementing it with us because, uh, you know, we're full time consulting now over here. So mm -hmm. we started using it with um, different posts, taking what it says, rewording it, making it fit the voice of the company, making the brand strong and everything. But it's, it mm -hmm. is a great tool. Chat, you've been wonderful. Doug, you've been great. Uh, join us on the Building Great Sales Teams podcast uh, three times a week now for a year almost, coming up on a year, three times a yeah. week. And we have the website, buildinggreatsalesteams.com, all spelled out. Join our newsletter. You'll be kept up to date with everything we got going on. Doug's book is coming this year. It's coming really, really soon. We have more courses that are going to be coming really, really soon. So just stay up to date with us and Let's get building. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. 
You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.